Well, good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, if you're new to Chank, my name's James. This is Louise. Uh, and it's our pleasure and privilege to share uh, from Daniel chapter 9 this morning. Uh, we've heard a bit from halfway through Daniel chapter 9, uh, but you need to have the whole of chapter 9 open before you. So grab your Bibles, have it ready, as we're going to touch on that this morning. Let me pray, and then we'll get into what we're going to share. Father, thank you. As we've been singing and worshipping you this morning, you are good and your love endures forever. We pray this morning that our human words would fall away, but that Jesus, you would speak your word like fire to our hearts, that you would cut through the fog of our earthly minds and set our spirits on fire with love for you, and with passion to serve you and to see your kingdom come and will be done. May this bring glory and honour to your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, uh, for those of you who tuned in a week ago, uh, I was speaking from Daniel 7 and I was talking about possessing the kingdom. And really the key message uh, that Daniel saw uh, nearly 600 years before Jesus uh, was all that God has done to enable those who believe in him, the holy ones of the Most High, to possess and lay hold of the kingdom. And the truth really we were talking about last week was that on God's side, everything that is needed for us, you and I who love God and follow him, to step into and possess all that he has for us and won for us, all, on, all things on God's side have been done. And that's an amazing truth that is, uh, needs to be held alongside what we're going to talk about today. Because if God has done all things necessary for you and I to step into all he's called us to and to see the kingdom come, then what do we do with the reality of some of our lives which are not yet shining and reflecting the fullness of the kingdom? So I was stirring up faith last week that on God's side all things have been done, so by faith we lay hold of that. But what does that actually look like? And what we want to talk about today introduces something we're going to look at for not only today but also in a week's time uh, we're going to look at the role that prayer plays. And particularly today, we're going to focus on intercessory prayer. And if there's one key common theme, if you look down church history where God has moved powerfully in revival and in transformation, you always find hardcore intercessory prayer. And some of us uh, have maybe a long track record in intercessory prayer. Uh, and some of us may be thinking about this for the first time or maybe new to this. Some of us may even self-describe as, I feel like God has called me to be an intercessor. And some of us may be like brand new to this. Uh, but what we want to describe is some of the heart the heartbeat behind what goes on in prayer and intercessory prayer and really give, I, I guess we pray, a passion for all of us to go further in this. And what we want to describe really is, is the birthright of every Christian, 
which is to do what Paul describes in Ephesians 6, 18, which is pray in the Spirit at all times and on all occasions. And we just want to pray that the Holy Spirit would stir that up in all of our hearts and take us further in that today. Yes, so our desire through this talk this morning is that the Lord will really stir our hearts in prayer. We want us to be praying people, praying households, praying families, praying church and praying constantly for ourselves, for our neighbours, for our nation and engaging in prayer at all times. And if you look at Daniel, whilst he was in exile, he turned himself towards prayer. He gave himself in prayer. And we're going to look particularly at Daniel 9 today. And we're going to look at four things that characterises the way Daniel prayed. And then think about how we can learn from that in our own prayers. So the first thing we're going to bring out is that Daniel was stirred to pray. In verse 3, if you open your Bibles, it says, Then I turned to the Lord to seek an answer by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You see, Daniel looked around at the people of God, the way that they were behaving, the way that they were dishonouring God, the way that they were sinning. And he didn't just mourn for his people, or he didn't even moan about his people, but instead he humbled himself and he sought the Lord in prayer. He was stirred in his heart for his people to take it to God in prayer and to pray for that situation to be changed and redeemed. The second thing you find as you track through how Daniel prays in chapter 9 is that Daniel clearly knows who God is. Daniel clearly knows God's nature, He knows the covenant God has made with his people. Daniel clearly knows what God's promises are. Daniel knows what God has spoken through the prophets that were around him before the people of God were taken into exile. And Daniel knows God's love for his people. Daniel prays out of a mature, rooted, sound understanding and knowledge of God and his ways. And, you know, there's there's an incentive and an inspiration for all of us to get into the Scriptures, to get into God in prayer, to know Him, to know how, uh, to know His heart, to know His character, to know His love, to know the covenant we are in now, this side of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to know what God is calling us to and to know what God is saying through the prophetic and what His promises are. The third thing that characterises how Daniel prays is he repents. And Daniel, according to scripture, is a total hero. You know, he is not one that is caught up in sin. And yet he wholeheartedly takes responsibility for his people, for his nation and their standing before God. If we look at verse five, it says, we have sinned and done wrong. Verse seven, righteousness is on your side, but open shame falls on us. Verse 11, it says, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. Verse 14, 
Indeed, the Lord our God is right in all that he has done, for we have disobeyed his voice. You see, Daniel doesn't just pray for himself. He actually looks at his people and repents on their behalf. He acknowledges their sinfulness before God and he prays in repentance, asking God to do something about it, to forgive them and uh, to free them from their sin and their iniquity. And you also see that Daniel's feeling this. It's not something that he's told to do, but he actually has compassion and a yearning that he wants his people to follow God. So it's repentance, but he also, he feels it from the pit of his belly that he wants his people restored and in right standing before their God. The fourth thing that you find when you track through Daniel's prayer is you find him towards the end of his prayer asking God, praying to God, beseeching the Lord, interceding before God for the deliverance and restoration of God's own people. Look at verse 18 in the passage. Daniel prays, Incline your ear, O my God, Open your eyes and see the desolation and the city that bears your name. Daniel prays, We do not present our supplication before you on the ground of our righteousness, but on the ground of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act and do not delay. You know, Daniel, uh, you know, having repented, having known who the Lord is, you know, Daniel then goes and he knocks on the door of heaven. You know, he says, Lord, you know, would you bring about deliverance? Would you bring about restoration? So just to recap, the four characteristics we've just heard is number one, he is stirred in his heart to pray for his people. Number two, he knows his God. He knows his God's ways, his heart, his character and what he requires of his people. Number three, he owns the sin of the people. He identifies with their sin and he repents of their sin on their behalf. And number four, then when he's done all that, he knocks on the door of heaven and he says, Lord, deliver our people. Hear my voice, hear my prayer, hear this repentance and will you act, will you move? And I just wanna be like Daniel. I want to look at the world around and not just sit and watch or be overcome by the world or be apathetic or be an individual not caring about what goes on in the world, just my own life. But actually I want to look at it and I want to be inspired and stirred in my heart to pray for what I see, to pray that God will change situations. And I want to... uh, for us all just to ask the Lord, will you nurture that in our hearts? Will we be a people, will we be a church that just seeks to constantly look what's going on in our lives, in our families, in the nation and turn it to you in prayer at all times and in all situations. We will turn it to prayer. But also, as we've said, Daniel knew God. He knew his ways. He knew his promises. He knew that he loved his people. 
And so when he was repenting, when he was praying, he was praying in accordance with those promises and in accordance of knowing God's character. And we just feel it's so important for us today to be like that, to know what the scriptures say, to know God's heart, to know God's ways, to know what God's kingdom looks like so that we know how to pray in accordance with that and praying God's will into being. But secondly, when we know God and when we know his ways and his promises and what he commands us to do, then we know when we're not doing that. So we can identify the areas that don't look like God's ways and areas in our lives that don't look like we're honouring God. And then we too can repent. So knowing his ways is so important in how we pray because it teaches us the stuff to get rid of but also the stuff to take hold of in prayer. So repentance was really key in Daniel's prayer. And we're just going to look at now, is there still a role for repentance in the new covenant? Now we are post Jesus's death and resurrection. What does repentance look like and what part does it play in our prayer life? And if you hang around our church, you know, you will often hear us, a bit like I was doing a week ago, really emphasising the fullness of what God has done in Jesus. And now looking back 2,000 years later on what, what God did and what God has done for all of us in Jesus, you know, we'll be emphasising that it is finished, it has been done, God has done everything that's needed. And therefore, in terms of our own identity and status before God, you know, if you listen to our church, we we will often be saying, you know, we are forgiven. We have become holy. We have been given the righteousness of God because of what he has done in Jesus. And and that is absolutely 100% true. But what, what we do when we're emphasising all that God has done is we are trying to reinforce the status for us as believers that God has won for us that we can receive by faith. So, you know, the fact is God did forgive me of every sin 2,000 years ago by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So I am forgiven in terms of my status But what that means also in terms of the new covenant and in terms of what this means for repentance is it doesn't mean that everything that I do is always perfect and that I never commit any sins. You see, the journey for us now, 2,000 years later uh, from Jesus, the journey for us as believers is now for the status that's been won for us by Jesus to become our experiential reality. And we step into our experiential reality by faith, but also through repentance. So God forgives me when I put my trust in Jesus, but if something crops up in my life that doesn't reflect the life that Jesus lived or would be living if he was living my life, then I'm like, wow, I need to repent and I need to own that and I need to take that back to the cross and bring that under afresh the sacrifice of Jesus. 
So we, we do this all the time in our lives. You know, so as God speaks to us and convicts us and shows us more and more truth and glory uh, and, you know, what he's calling us to live in, you know, <laughs> Louise will say to me, you need to repent of that. <laughs> you know, that, that thought pattern. And him to me. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you know, it might be like we wake up and we're suddenly feeling fearful or not trusting God as provider or not, not trusting his love for us or his plans that are good. And, and we'll be like, you need to repent of that. Not in a like condemning way, but just like by repentance, we tear down the mindsets which are not godly. And so repentance is one of the most powerful weapons to bring change in our lives and to change the atmosphere around us. And when anything crops up in our lives which is sinful, which is fleshly, or which is even demonic, repentance takes us back to the cross where the precious blood of Jesus destroys all of the ungodly, fleshly or demonic thinking in our minds and in our lives and it takes us back to what God has won for us again in Jesus. Let me give you one other example. You know, as parents, we are trying to raise our children in an atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven. But they need to lay hold of that for themselves as individuals as they grow up. And sometimes when we observe some of the behaviours showing themselves or manifesting in the family that are not godly or are not kingdom, then we'll say to ourselves, okay, before we confront the kids, or we, obviously if they're doing something bad, we'll discipline them as any parent would. But we'll first say, okay, what as parents, if we've been given authority over the atmosphere of this household, Lord, how have we let this into the atmosphere here? And what do we need to take responsibility for in repentance, in prayer, so that then when we go to the children, we know that we are not allowing that and any access or room in our lives and in the atmosphere that we're setting and leading in the household because we have taken responsibility for that in prayer. I hope that makes sense, but that's just a practical example of how we live this out in the home. So I was reading Joshua a couple of months ago, and I was reading about, uh, the Lord says to them, take this land, this is the land that I'm giving you, and it's all about extending the boundaries of land for the people of God. Now what would happen is God would say, I'm giving you this land, so uh, Joshua and his band of merry men would know the outcome because God has told them, I'm giving you this land. But it required a battle. It required a fight. And often blood was shed as Joshua and his men put to death the enemies of God. And when they put to death the enemies of God, then they uh, they took that land, they furthered the kingdom for the people of God and they consecrated that land to God and the plunder that they had taken from the enemies of God, they also consecrated that to God. They dedicated this new land to God. And I was asking the Lord, what does that look like today? What does it mean for us today? What does it mean taking ground? How do we do that today? 
And I felt the Lord say that it's actually in the same way. And what I mean by that is that like Joshua, we know the outcome of the battles we face in prayer. We know that Jesus has won the victory. We know that we can take ground spiritually for Jesus. But it requires death to do that just like in the Old Testament. But this time, death isn't an outward thing. We don't have to whip out our swords and kill ourselves or kill our families, whatever, in prayer. That's a no. But actually, it's an inward reality. And this time, in the new covenant, he's asking us to remove enemy ground in our own lives in the lives of our children, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our neighbours, our nation, our church. And the way that we do that is we put to death everything that is not surrendered to him. Everything where the enemy has even the tiniest amount of territory in our own lives, we are to put to death. We are to die to those areas. And when we have died to those areas then, in repentance, then we consecrate that new area of our life to God. So how that looks like is in prayer. We see enemy territory in our own life, or we see, you know, just stuff that is not surrendered to Jesus. And we see it, we confess it to the Lord, knowing that he always forgives us. And the repentance is the act of dying. And then we say, Lord, would you renew that area of my life, that area of my mind, that area of my family? Now I've put it to death and and repented of it. I give it over to you. Will you further your kingdom in that area? Will you bring your promises to that area? Will you bring your way of doing stuff to that area? And I just want to share with you that So many times in my life, in our lives, in praying for our family, when we repent, it's like a key. And all of a sudden, that stuff that has been holding us back or has been difficult in our lives, the minute we bring it before the Lord, the minute we repent, it's like a key that just unlocks stuff and breakthrough happens when we repent. And also, when I have uh, just prayed for many, many other people as well, you're praying about one thing, and then all of a sudden, you start to remember something from someone's past or something that's going on right now. And when you bring it under the Lord's authority, when you repent, again, I've seen so much breakthrough in people's lives through repentance in prayer. So what happens when you're repenting is what's happening is things are literally being restored through the power of the blood of Jesus back to their intended place of consecration before God. So, you know, this is why, you know, we are released on the other side of the cross to walk as Jesus, as Jesus did before the Father, you know, and to extend the kingdom on his mission that he's given us. But when we veer off into independence or flesh or whatever, when we repent, it brings us back to the intended place where we're meant to live. And it, and it brings the holy presence of God upon us afresh. 
What I mean by that is, if you are a Christian and you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit's presence within you. But, but what happens is, when we just veer off and, and either walk in our own ways or in flesh or, or in you know, overt sin, what happens is the anointing and power of the presence of God just lifts away from us. We may not lose our salvation necessarily at that point, but as soon as we repent, you know, sometimes when I repent, I can just feel just the holiness of God and the, the glory and sweetness of his presence just coming down on my life again. And it, and it just, like Louise said, did you say a key that opens a door? You know, it just unlocks again the reality and experience of the kingdom. You know, a week ago I was talking about how God showed himself and revealed himself to me as my father. And I'd always imagined before that having an encounter with the father, with, with the intimacy of the heart of God, would be sort of mushy and sticky and, you know, whatever, sort of, you know, like a big, wet, sloppy kiss or something. And, you know, as a bloke, I was just like, well, you know, I love sloppy kisses with Louise, but I was just like, you know, with a man that just sort of evokes some interesting sort of, you know, reactions in me, sadly, you know, whatever. Um, but the way I got Revelation of the Father actually began with repentance because I began to repent of the ways that I'd transferred my earthly experiences or just my bad thought patterns onto his true nature. And as soon as I began to repent, Father, I'm sorry that I saw you that way. You know, I repent for thinking of, of your heart and thinking of who you are in that way. Boom, it just opened the door to revelation and it just began to come crashing in to my heart. Yeah, and we just want to say at this point that we believe that what Daniel did in repenting on behalf of his people is still valid today. We believe that we can repent, and particularly when we join together in repentance for our land or for our nation or something that has taken place that other people have been responsible for. I think if we come together in repentance, that is still a right response today and God still calls us to intercede in that way through repentance for our land and I like to think of it as when we do this it's like when there's a battle and there's fighting and then it, the fighting stops and then what you do is in the old school days you get a flag and then you plant the flag and you'd say this land now belongs to I don't know whichever country was fighting and I think it's the same with this. Repentance is the going in. It's the, it's the fighting, but it's not really fighting. It's humbling ourselves in repentance. And then as we do that, it clears it. The war's over. We reclaim then that area that we've repented of as holy ground, as God's territory. Isn't that the topsy-turvy, upside-down nature of the kingdom? You know, the kingdom of heaven colliding with the kingdom of this world, invading, overthrowing, dismantling the kingdom of this world is not a fight. It's a journey of humble repentance. 
And what we just want to sort of communicate really is just this key strategy in prayer is picking up the the weapon, but just humbling ourselves, you know, coming under what God has done for us through the cross, through the resurrection. You know, that dying to self and dying on behalf of others is just a key weapon through which we unlock more of the kingdom here. You know, and we've been talking a bit about personal revelation and a bit about the family and the household, you know, but, you know, as our church, we are calling the church through, you know, the South Downs Awakening Vision to be walking the land right across the southeast, uh, across the South Downs Way in prayer. And a key, you know, area uh, that for us just to lay hold of is taking ownership in repentance for our land. You know, and what's interesting just over the last maybe 20 years we've seen a rise of, you know, things that have been hidden, bad stuff, all the, the coming into the light of historical abuse has been exposed that has been going on in our land and tragically going on oftentimes, you know, in the church. And, you know, the good thing about that is that where things have been hidden, the light is coming in and exposing those but, you know, sometimes when I get on the land, I just want to weep for the things that have been done, you know, for the ungodly, evil power that's been asserted in our land, uh, you know, for those who've been victims to this. But how we, how we can be a part of God's cleansing for that is by, by taking ownership by saying, oh Lord, you know, I take ownership of our land and even if I can't call every authority and power and governmental power and whatever, every church authority, I can rise up with others in prayer, in repentance and say, Lord, this should never have happened. This should never have happened in our land. Would you forgive us? Would you have mercy? We plead the blood of Jesus Christ who shed his blood for every sin whose blood is powerful over every unrighteousness. Would you just wash this land by the blood of Jesus again? Would you just cleanse it? Let there just be just a a washing of this land. We bring this land under the blood of Jesus again and we repent and say, Lord, would you forgive this land? Would you cleanse this land? Would you purge it? And would it be clean again in your sight, Lord, and let everything that's been evil, ungodly, Every, for, every single form of ungodliness, let it just be brought under the blood of Jesus and let it be washed clean by the freeing power of the blood of the Lamb of God. In his name I pray, amen. <laughs> so having talked about how Daniel repents as part of his prayer, then after he's done that, he goes on to ask the Lord to intervene. He petitions the Lord, act now. He asks God to deliver his people. And James is going to talk a little bit more about this next week. But I do think sometimes, as charismatics probably in particular, we sometimes get a little bit imbalanced. Because, as James was saying at the very start, we know we have all authority. And Jesus told us that we have all authority. However, In the Lord's Prayer, he also teaches us 
to deliver us from evil. Father, would you deliver us from evil? So we just wanna bring to you today the both and. It's a yes, taking authority over stuff, but it's also repentance and saying, Father, would you deliver this land? Would you deliver whatever it is from evil? God, would you do it? And sometimes all he wants us to do is to pray or unite with others in prayer, asking him to do the work, and then he releases his sovereign power and delivers us. I think to bring us full circle, you know, we want to take possession of all God has done for us in Jesus, and we want to pray by faith through repentance, through asking, through petitioning the Lord, until that becomes a reality in our lives, in our households. Uh, And let me just sort of um, illustrate this from an example of church, which I pray would also give you a good model uh, for how to pray in your own household, uh, but also uh, a model that I I pray will work for us when we walk the land in prayer uh, this summer. And, you know, I arrived here um, in 2013 uh, and began as rector here in the church. And we knew the Lord had called um, us to see the kingdom come in greater measure, to build on the wonderful ministry and work that had been done in the churches here before, uh, but to actually see the kingdom of heaven become an increasing reality here. We, we just knew that. And, you know, soon after arriving, we wrote down 2033. What does the kingdom look like? What are we going after? And we released that prophetically. And we accepted that across the leadership. We received that. You know, it's become our church vision. That's where we're going to see the kingdom come here in these churches, in these communities, in this land. You know, but in in January 2014, 2033 wasn't happening. So what do we do about that? You know, how do we see it come into being? I know that the legitimacy of 2033 has been won 2,000 years ago by what God has done in Jesus. But here I am in 2014 thinking, Lord, this needs to become our reality. You know, this needs to, this needs to come into being. What do we do? And, you know, the ministry of prayer and intercession is where this is birthed and forged. And, you know, I don't say this in order, you know, to kind of take any personal credit, but just to illustrate, you know, how we go about this. You know, on a Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, you know, here in church, I am in mega early in the morning. And the reason I come in mega early is because I just need to make sure that first and foremost, I have put God first afresh in my life and I've dealt with all my my stuff so I'm ready to roll for when we're ready to welcome people so I will spend the first bit Lord I I rise to you today I repent of anything yesterday I repent of anything this morning already early in the morning that I've done Lord I just want to I just want to have the eyes of my heart focused on you and then I'll begin praying for you lot (laughs) and I'll spend the next part saying Lord I'm so excited for your people to gather in your presence this morning. But Lord, I just want to take responsibility for their stuff and their baggage and the sins that they may have committed ignorantly, without knowing, or even intentionally this week. Lord, I just plead your blood over this building again. And and I go round over every chair and I'm laying hands on every chair. Anyone who sits here this morning, I bring them on 
under your blood this morning, Lord. You know, they might be coming in straight from an argument at home. They might be coming in from pressure and stress from the week. But I just want to pray as they come into this building that they will come under the blood of Jesus. They will come under resurrection power. They will come into the presence and glory of God. They will come into soundness of mind. They will come into joy. They will come into lightness. They will come into the presence of your kingdom here. I'm praying over every chair. I'm praying over the doorways. And I'm taking responsibility for the family of God, the people of God in prayer, first through repentance. And then I'm saying, Lord, bless them today. Lord, would you come? Lord, would you fill this place? Would your Holy Spirit fill this church? When we praise, let it erupt from our hearts. Would you drop miracles this morning? Would you drop revelation this morning? Would you open blind eyes this morning? Would you set us on fire? Would you set us ablaze with love for you? And I'm asking the Lord, do it, Lord. Do it, do it, do it, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Fill this place. Fill this place. Fill this place. And I just want to sort of illustrate. And then, and then I'll, um, you know, then just enjoy the Lord and worship him and then just, you know, receive from him myself. And then I'll stumble home for some brekkie <laughs> before I, I, you know, in the old days, got ready to get here and welcome the nine o'clock crowd. But I hope that illustrates just the power of prayer because, you know, I've been praying like that for nearly seven years in this place. And, you know, 2033 is being released. It is in process. There's, it's not the fullness, which is why I'm still here praying and pressing in. But it's being released. We're seeing it become more and more reality. And so I hope that just illustrates how we can live this out in our homes. It, you know, Maybe it's time to get up a bit early and start pacing up and down saying, Lord, I take responsibility for the home. I take responsibility for my marriage. I take responsibility for, the, for your presence being welcomed and honoured and accepted and received in this household. So, anyway. <laughs> I just want to share a bit of my journey before we finish because I think over the last couple of years, the Lord has been really stirring my heart in the area of intercession and prayer. But before I do that, I just want to say I don't want anybody to hear that it's strivy and that repentance is strivy because it's really not. Mm. And actually, it's a stirring of your heart and there's a joy in repentance and there's an ease in repentance. There's an ease in intercession. So we're not kind of hitting ourselves, oh, this is terrible. There's such a joy because we know that he is love, that he is grace, that he's compassion and that there's victory in him. So yeah, don't hear that it's so striving because it's really not. There's a joy in intercession. And I think, uh, I just want to share that I think prophecy and intercession go hand in hand. Because I think that what happens is as we start to pray, and often we've got to really go into that secret place with the Lord and spend time And some of us, prayer might come easier than others, but I just want to encourage you to start a journey, take small steps. But for me personally, I will um, just start uh, reading the Bible, worshipping, and then I'll start to pray. And then I'll find myself pacing around the house, just praying stuff about the family, praying stuff over the land, releasing God's kingdom. Um, But he takes you deeper and deeper and deeper as we just connect more with his heart. And I tend to think uh, prophecy and intercession a bit like uh, firing a missile. 
Now, I'm not great with terminology to do with war films, but I grew up with them because my father loved watching war films. But you know when uh, there's a target where they, say you're in an aeroplane, and you see a target, an enemy aeroplane, and you press that button, you see it's coming closer into your sight. It's coming closer to where you need to attack. And I feel like that's what happens in prayer. As we spend time with God, you, you kind of hone in. What, are you, what do you want me to pray about? What's on your heart? What are you showing me, God? And then in those films, all of a sudden, it's in range, it's in target. And what do they do then? Press the button and hit the missile and it shoots and it fires up the, the plane. I think that's how you explain it anyway. But I think prayer is like that. You lock into the heart of God. You lock into, God, what do you want me to pray about? What is it exactly, specifically? And I think he gives us specific answers. And then when we lock into that, boom, you know, something shifts and there is breakthrough. And I love Daniel 9, 22, um, where Gabriel goes to Daniel and he says, Daniel, I have now come to you to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. He came to give Daniel understanding and insight. Now, I haven't seen an angel yet. I'm praying I will. But we have the Holy Spirit inside us. And that's what he does. He illuminates. He helps us to pray in the Spirit with knowledge from on high on how to pray, how to lock in to that target. And then our prayers are so um, targeted and we hit that that enemy enemy, um, airplane or whatever. You get the point. I'm not very good at that description. But prophecy and intercession go hand in hand. And it's as we spend time with him, we, we kind of incline our ear more to the Father's voice and we're more in tune with how he wants us to pray. And I just want to share with you an incredible testimony about this. Now, back in 2019, a group of about eight or nine of us gathered to pray. And it was an all-night prayer meeting. And we just wanted to get together and we wanted to pray for something specific. That's what drew us together. But as we worshipped together, prayed, and into the small hours of the morning, the Lord led us into repenting for the land and yeah, so we as a group were all, we just felt God's heart about all the bad stuff that had gone on in our land. And we were just repenting together. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, this prophetic word dropped that there has been infertility in this land because of the stuff that had gone on in the past. And as we'd repented of that past stuff, then all of a sudden, we started to release fertility over this land. God, may your kingdom come in the area of fertility in this land. And the power of God hit. And a number of us were flat out on the floor with the power of God. And it was, a, it was one of those moments that I've just talked about where you knew something has changed, something has happened. We've hit the target. Now, there was a lady there who had been struggling to conceive for either around about a year. And eight weeks later, she texted to say she was pregnant. And I texted her yesterday and said, did you feel that it was at that moment something shift? 
and she concurs that it was. She'd spent um, months of prayer, her and her husband, and you know that is all part of it, and that is all built up to that one moment. But she said that something shifted on that night when we um, just prayed and interceded for our land in the area of infertility, and when we released fertility. And then eight weeks later, she was pregnant, and now she has her baby. And isn't that just so exciting? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could all just rise up and lock into God's heart like that? You know, how much more of his kingdom would we see coming if we would only just give ourselves to prayer, listening to his voice, locking into his heart, and just to pray alongside his kingdom coming. Yeah, I think a lot of the things, you know, we're sharing as we begin to want to equip and empower households require us to change our mindset from being carried along by others or in our own minds relegating ourselves and saying, okay, well, intercession's done by this person or that person. They're the intercessors. They're the prayer warriors. And to actually just change our minds and just begin, just start, just begin praying, begin seeking the Lord. You know, I've never felt called to be an intercessor but I tell you what, there's been times where I've just prayed and just locked into God's heart. And then there's been times where, where I've just been weeping, you know, not with, um, you know, sorrow, but just weeping with because you catch God's heart. It's almost like those deep things of the spirit, uh, as Paul describes in Romans chapter 8. As you begin to pray and press into God, suddenly his heart is downloaded and becomes your heart. And you just suddenly catch a glimpse of what's really important to the heart of God. What really grieves his heart, what really is is precious to him, his love, his compassion, his delight over people and the land uh, and and ourselves. And, and, And I think we just love to just say, you know, as we seek the Lord, you know, as we go forwards, let's just make that decision. I'm just going to grow. I'm not going to think of myself as being rubbish at prayer any longer. You know, let's just take that out of our brains and throw it away, you know, because the Bible says to all of us, pray in the Spirit on all occasions and at all times. You know, this is for us all. And what would it be like if there was just an orchestra of thousands and thousands of us just praying, seeking the Lord and just, you know, knocking on the door of heaven for him to restore our lives, restore our households, restore our land, change this nation and to bring revival and bring the kingdom. Are we done? (laughs) I think if there was ever a time to pray, it's now. You know, there has been a shaking globally with this pandemic And we just want to pray. Let's not be apathetic. Let's not be overcome. Let's not be fearful about what's going on. But instead, use this time to pray, God, your kingdom come globally. In those areas in people's lives where they are shaken, where they are shaken because of economics or health, whatever. God, we pray your kingdom come in their lives. We pray for salvation to come. 
We pray for unity in this land. We pray for churches and households and people to be awoken in this land. So let's, like Daniel, just rise up, take on that mantle of prayer and joining in with what all the angels are doing right now. You know, they are, they are there worshipping, praying, fighting in the heavenlies to see more of God's kingdom come on earth. And let's join in with that as one. And just pray, God, your kingdom come here. Deliver us from evil. Forgive us. Pour out your spirit in this place. Pour out your spirit in this church. Pour out your spirit in this nation. And during this time that we are giving to prayer for South Downs Awakening, let's just give it our all. Give our all to God. Incline our ear to him. Just press in, press in for more of his kingdom in this land. I think we'd love to just finish just by uh, just leading us in a, a short bit of ministry. So, you know, wherever you are, why don't you stand to your feet and uh, we're just going to just ask the Holy Spirit how he just wants to just close this morning and what he wants to do. And um, I, I just, even as we do that, I just bless those of us who are prayer warriors uh, already. Uh, you know, we, we're blessed with so many people who pray and who sow in, uh, in all the different ways that we can. And I just want to honour you this morning and just say, uh, you know, the kingdom is being born on the foundations that you are sowing in by wearing out your knees in prayer to see his kingdom come. And I just want to thank God for you this morning and pray that right now you would know the Father smiling over your prayers, that you would know that it pleases his heart, that he points to the angels and say, there's one of mine who gets on their knees and really seeks me with all, the, all, all their heart. And I just want to honour you this morning uh, and just say thank you and bless you and may that come to characterise every single one of us in our church you know may we we be known as being hardcore prayer guys <laughs> you know we just love to pray we love to seek the Lord you know we love to draw near to God and we always know that he loves to draw near to us and I just want to pray over those prayer warriors who have got weary mm. and actually we just want to say come on rise up rise up and I feel like he wants you to just take up that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Just take it up again where you've been weary. Just uh, get rid of despair. Get rid of disappointment. Shake it off. Repent of that and just take it up again because you were born to be a prayer warrior. And just rise up. We release just in the name of Jesus a fresh, a fresh strength, a fresh anointing over you prayer warriors to release the word of the Lord in this land. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And I think the other thing the Lord wants to do this morning is he wants to bring a joy in surrender. Where surrendering has been hard, where repentance has been hard he wants to release a joy and ease in surrender so just receive that joy this morning
the rest and the peace that comes that you can let it all fall away just in the pool of his grace and his mercy and his love. Just receive the freedom of surrender this morning. Yeah, I was, just as we were praying, I was reminded of, um, do you remember how uh, Jesus is brought into the temple uh, when he's very young and there are two, two people in, in the temple there, Simeon and Anna, who are both elderly and they've both been praying there for years and years and years. And you've got these beautiful verses you know, at right at the beginning of Luke's gospel, where, you know, Simeon cries out, you know, thank you, Lord, your servant can now depart in peace because my eyes have seen the salvation of your people. You know, and you can, you can almost hear the delight and the joy. And, you know, can you imagine praying something? You know, I think Anna was over 80 years old, and she'd been there, widowed, young in age. She'd been there, you know, 60, 70 years, praying, 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 praying. You know, they'd both been sowing in in prayer. And then finally, that delight, that, that you know, godly relief. Wow, our eyes have seen your salvation. We've seen the glory of Israel, you know, before our eyes. And I just want to just speak over us as a community you know, for those who are older in years, who've been praying, 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 believing, 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 longing, longing, longing. You know, this is the time of fulfillment. Our eyes are going to see the glory of the Lord. Our eyes are going to see the salvation of the people who live in this area, in this land. We're going to see his kingdom come. I just want to declare that, that Jesus is the one who makes all things new. And so I just want to, I just want to honour, but also just bless you you know, those of you who have been sowing in, sowing in, sowing in, you're going to reap a harvest of joy where your tears have sown in prayer and longing and believing. You're going to reap a harvest of joy. I declare that. And I want to pray for those of us who are younger and coming into this early in years. You know, we are going to be those who, who just sow in, who long, who believe in prayer and who lay hold of and see the glory of the Lord. And we just want to receive that heart of intercession, but, but not a, a vain longing. It's a believing longing. We're going to lay hold of this. We're going to see this in our lives and in our lifetime. So I just pray, Lord, would we just catch that, that heart to pray like, like Simeon and Anna, but, but let us just receive the assurance today of your, your prophetic declaration that we are going to come into a time where our eyes see that for which you placed that longing in, in our hearts in the name of Jesus. And you think with that? Yeah. Do you want to just pray and tie that around? <laughs> yeah, finally, he's prodding me to pray for something else. Um, yeah, the testimony of uh, someone who was struggling with fertility having a baby. And we just want to release that testimony for any of you this morning who are struggling with infertility. Yeah, and God, we thank you that you 
bring fertility, that you bring forth new life, that you give birth. And I just uh, just speak fertility now in the name of Jesus over those areas of barrenness. I just say, come to life. Come to life. Be renewed, be restored. Bear fruitfulness. And we release once again fertility over this land and over everybody who is watching this morning. Yeah. Yeah. And Father, we pray a blessing over every one of us for the week ahead. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are always with us. We thank you for your love for us. And we just pray, play it, pray a blessing over every single household, every single individual. We pray a stirring of people's hearts towards faith, towards prophecy, and towards intercession this week. And I pray that in the week ahead, we will be able to share testimony of how you are calling us to pray and seeing breakthrough and answers to prayer this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. See you next week.